Brad, I have a story I've been waiting to tell you for like a month. Sweet. Yeah. Let it rip, baby. And I was like, I can't tell Brad on text because I want to hear him cackle in a live setting. So, you know, I'm on this uh, Gaslight Anthem tour last month. Hence the, heard. the lack of podcasts because I'm a rock star. Apparently dead to the world when when I know I'd, I'd say my off time on Gaslight Anthem tours resembles something like uh, like Al Bundy at home. <laughs> like there's no rock star shit going on. But the other thing I have to do, you know, in lieu of the fact that I have a torn meniscus, a broken and irritated rotator cuff and nothing between two of the vertebrae in my neck. Um, after two or three straight shows, I start to feel pretty fucking crummy. And if I don't get massage or get really stretched out at this point, these nagging injuries I have in my back and my elbow and stuff start popping up. So I got to stay on top of this stuff now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the reasons that even podcasting is hard is I'm often spending, uh, you know, a good quarter to half a day attempting to find somewhere to get a massage in a random right. city, then getting said massage and getting myself back. There's a lot of Ubering. So I'm approaching uh, Columbus, Ohio. We had a few straight shows. I'm like, it's really be a good day for that. I'm like, I'm going to find a place, but I'm going to, you know what? I'm sick of these Ubers. I'm just going to, I want to find one within walking distance. Okay. So I find tropical massage. <laughs> Seems fine. Make a normal appointment. And I'm like, even like when I'm a few blocks away, I'm like, you know what? Uh, not, not the right kind of neighborhood for right. the thing I'm usually looking for. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, which is like, you know, I, I like the foofy stuff, you know, like, like, like a spa, you know, where they're like, ah, take off your shoes and, you know, whatever. Um, so wrong kind of town. And then I'm like double checking my phone and it's, it's like a, it's an auto mechanic. Um, and in the back, you know, it has its own sign and sort of independent entrance, but it is in the back of an auto body shop, essentially. No way, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right. You know, and then in my head, I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt, you know? I'm like, maybe it's a startup. Maybe maybe some young, young, really eager, you know, massage therapists who just needed some cheap space to start off yeah. or something, you know, I'm telling myself. Yeah, maybe it's their dad's garage. Who right? knows? Who knows? And so I walk in and I'm actually encouraged at first. I'm like, you know, they got the nice check-in screens. The the vibe is pretty good. It looks clean. And I'm like, all right, like, like this is fine. Like maybe just sketchy on the outside, you know? Like a good burrito place, you know. <laughs> I got it. I can. I can <laughs> like, that. like, like, the, like the quality is in the product, not the, yeah. not the awning. Right. You know, let's say. <laughs> and so I go in, and then the woman shows up to check me in, and you know, I'm not going to judge on 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 looks, like what a massage therapist <laughs> looks like. And she's checking me in normally. You know, are you this sixty minutes? Blah blah blah. Uh, would you like the uh, bikini upgrade? and you know there's like five seconds of silence in the room and in my head i'm like why do why would i want a bikini wax you know like i don't need a bikini wax it's not for me and then it clicks i'm like oh oh, for you 
No, like, no, no, like, you know, why would I want that? And then, you know, I'm piecing it together in my head. I'm like, I usually have my eyes closed and massage. What good is a bikini? And then I'm like, oh, this is probably like, you know. Just the, the bikini bottom. The entry level to, to, to fishy business. You know what I mean? Let me call my wife. So I play it straight. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling this story in the podcast, full disclosure, because my wife does know, and we've already joked about it. Um, she will not be uh, finding discovery on this podcast. <laughs> but so I played straight. I'm like, no, nah. I'm like, this is the deal. I give her like my whole spiel I normally do. I'm injured here, 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 here. This is where I need. And, you know, we go in and like, I, I don't know. I got the weird sense that maybe she was relieved that I was like a nice <laughs> dude, but also right. like I could immediately tell within like, 90 seconds that this was going to be like a shit massage and this yes. was not a real massage therapist. Like, you know, like sometimes I'm laying down and I'm like, God damn it. I just Ubered halfway across town in Tulsa, Oklahoma to just have uh, some random person literally like rub, rub strange oils on me. Like, <laughs> like just slobber their hands around. And I'm like, ugh, like this is gross. I would have rather... Been in my hotel room watching HBO Max with my foam roller. If this was right. the, if this was the case, so you know we go through the motions. I do find out uh, her baby daddy plays basketball in Europe, mm. and uh, she moonlights as a bartender at Two Chains' club in town. Mm. Um, so you know, I, I never found out. No proof, but I think if I wanted to. Uh, there was some, some some fishy business. So now I'm make, I'm being a little more careful, doing a little more googling because you know. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is like if you're going on Google reviews, right? I and that, this is where I was discussing with my tour manager Taylor, who helped me set up the appointment. I'm like, he's like, well, he's from Southern California, so I'm not going to do his accent. It's mean. Um, <laughs> But, you know, he's like, it had high Google reviews. And I'm like, well, <laughs> had high Google reviews for, you From know, anonymous. The, for the fucking jerk off crowd. Sure. <laughs> I guess they're quite good at that. So I guess you can't trust this review system because you don't know what they're ranking. You know, and I guess this place had a very high, uh, I don't know, finish uh, percentage or whatever you base it on. <laughs> Yikes. And then like, like a week later, I'm in Reno. And I choose like the foofiest spa in town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Clearly in an area that was built like six months ago for people who don't, who just barely live there. Uh, you know, literally uh, you choose a stone when you come in with, a, with an intention on it and put it in a fountain. And there's, you know, all sorts of you know spas and things like that. So, you know, there's a, there's a whole world out there, Brad. Of this stuff, I so I hear. Yeah, I once I once asked for one in Italy. I asked a, a like a promoter of a show in Italy. I was like, yeah, you know. Anyway, he's like, uh, like a funny massage. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, you know. And then here's the funny part: is like you know me, like I'm like in that room, like overcompensating. Because I feel like in that moment, I'm representing like a man. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I can't imagine this kind of like filth 
and just bad people this lady's got to like deal with. I'm like, this one hour, I'm going to be fucking like Ned Flanders. Like she's not even going to like consider the fact that I would be like a creep, you know? I'm talking about my kids. I'm like, you know, I'm like making it real clear. Like I'm like nice dad just looking for a massage, you know? I'm like overcompensating for the sake of like all man because I don't want to be there, you know? Right. So that's the story I've been waiting to tell you. It was a heck of a morning in Columbus, Ohio. Meanwhile, she's thinking like that fucking asshole. I just lost out on 200 bucks. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like now I got to pull a double and two chains of spot tonight. <laughs> She's like fucking nice little, little wimp. <laughs> She's like, why are you here? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. This is, uh, is this like the most alienating story? Because it's like, this, I even realized that I, I, I walked it. into, I walked into one of these places. I think the the place with the intention rock when I was there and I walk in and the lady's like, how are you doing today? I'm like, I'm fucking excellent. She's like, really? You're like, ex-? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm not at work. And I'm at this like fancy ass spa to get them. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking great. Like what? <laughs> You know, this is awesome. What can I say? You know, like, am I going to complain? Um, <laughs> Life is so, good, man. Ah, I'm, I, I recognize it. I mean, the fact that I'm there is not good. You know, I'd rather be doing what like my band members are doing. They're like, yo, we're going to watch the game at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, you know, yeah. what are you doing? I'm like, I'm taking an Uber 20 minutes away to some place. I have no idea what I'm walking into. Could be awful. Could be great. <laughs> could be creepy. You know, like any number of things. I've had no shows, you know. So what do you, what do you mean? It's no not shows? exactly I don't want to pitch it as a sob story, but the thing I wish I could go back in time a little and talk to like young Benjamin is like <laughs> I didn't know at any point in my life I was gonna be tasked with something akin to being an athlete, you know. Like when I'm on tour and doing many nights in a row and the two hour long shows with my advancing age and the problems I have, I got to be disciplined out there like an athlete. Like, mm-hmm. dude, I can't even have a drink on tour anymore because, you know, the one night I, it just happened. I, we toured in Europe. I was being super disciplined. And then we show up in Dublin. I meet up with, with a buddy who lives out there. I'm in Dublin. Of course, I had a few Guinness. I have enough Guinness where like before I got back to the room, I picked up some fucking fat boy eating belligerent food. You know what I mean? And like crushed it in the room. Great night. I really enjoyed myself. But my entire body dominoed into a fucking bad spiral like after that night, you know? So I, this last tour, I literally, I didn't have one sip of alcohol and then, whoa, really? Yeah. Not one sip. Like, you know, and then I'm like, I'm going to sleep as early as I can. I'm stretching. I'm like eating like a fucking like sting, you know, it's like, it sucks. Like, like, it's not, it's not fun at all. I don't want to be doing, you know, it's a cool job to have and I'm willing to make these sacrifices to keep my job and and keep doing it well. But shit, man, I wish like, the things I used to do to my body, like I'm recovering from an awful place. Like, (laughs) like, you know, um, 
But I did, you know, the thing, I surprised a couple people on the tour where the tour ended and we're at an airport in Seattle and we had about a half hour. And that's when I was like, fuck it, you know? And I just went and had like two strong double single malts <laughs> by myself at the, you know, like, I don't know, tilted fucking kilt or whatever they have in the airport. <laughs> And I was, you know, I had drank in a month. I was hammered. You know, yeah, so I walk yeah. over to everybody getting on the plane. They're like, you're drunk. I'm like, Fucking yeah. Rosy cheeked. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm very drunk. Let's fly. <laughs> like, let's fly to Newark. Come on. You know? And then, of course, like, when you're a little drunk, you, you order the tapas box because United doesn't give you food anymore. Right. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. So let's talk about Donovan for a minute. We'll talk about more in the outro just because of this. I really, you know what I mean? I'm not connected to his world necessarily. Singer-songwriter stuff, wrote some things for like Tim McGraw and some like major country artists. Um, and, and Brian somehow became like a big fan of him and was like, We're, I want to take this guy on tour. Can you listen? And I listened to a couple songs and that's not usually my shit, but right. there's something that just drew me in about like his stuff. Like really like one of those voices that like never overextends, but it's got this just like world of things going on in it. Beautiful relatable lyrics, great guitar playing, and then just his vibe. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Um love being around him. So it was a it was a joy to uh to catch up and find out a little about him. I don't even know if we talked about music much, but you know, we had a good time, right? Dude, this is a really yeah, I think this was a good this is a good comeback episode. Yeah, you felt sure. optimistic after this. That's good. Oh yeah. I had so, a great time on it. Let's get into it. Play the train. <laughs> <laughs> like they just started ripping like a couple days ago. I'm just hearing a bunch of like, damn it, like oh, flying really? around the house. And at first I barely even noticed it. And then I'm like, oh wait, like you can't like, that might piss someone off. And like, I'm like, guys, I'm like, that one doesn't leave the house. All right. Like, can't yeah, that's be- what I say. I say that's house talk. We're allowed yeah. to say that around here, but we just uh- went through that with the movie Spaceballs, Cause you know, a pretty clean movie, you know, there's yeah. nothing too suggestive in there, but you know, there's like 
private asshole. I'm surrounded by assholes, you know, like, and you know, I hit that scene and I pause it real quick and I'm like, guys, I'm like, what's the rule? I'm like, if you say this out of the house, we can't watch cool stuff anymore. You remember that? And they're oh, like, yep, good, we yeah. remember. I'm like, all right, good. Moving on. So <laughs> it's working good. so far, but I'm, 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 you know, I'm not too far in the game. Has, has, has Donovan, you have some older ones too, right? I do. I have a le- well, eleven and nine. So I mean, has has your stay in the house policy ever bitten you in the ass? I mean, they say they will. Get, my daughter, who's nine, is pretty. She doesn't want to hear swearing. She's like, oh, she's like a nun kind of. She's pretty. <laughs> she's pretty uptight. So when someone swears, she doesn't like it. Okay. So. Every once in a while, when she's really mad, she said shit, and it's so. And then we all go, "Oh my god, Ooh. Daisy swore!" We make fun of her. Um, but my eleven-year-old, uh, he when he loses his temper, he does a lot. Of, a he lot just of, rips it. He goes, "Motherfucker!" Fuck no. <laughs> just goes for it. Yeah, but he's got a mom and a dad who, you know, right. We just let her rip kind of around him, and I have never sort of censored myself, but I just say. There's a lot of people who would be upset about that. So right. you got to be very careful who's around when you talk like that. Yeah. Which is true. of I mean, everybody swears. It's the, the truth of it is, is that that's it. It's like it's, it's in the right company. It's fine. Yeah. And in the right context. Like, Yeah, it's all about context. Brad, what's the swearing situation in your home? Um, it all went to hell after they both got to middle school. I just didn't give a fuck anymore. Middle school is fucked, eh? My son oh. is in middle school right now. It's a fucking animal yeah. farm. It's like it's, <laughs> the things he tells me about it is like, it's fucking wild, man. Wait, what's yeah. going on in middle schools these days? Just, what what am I missing? For, for boys, it's just sucks, Yeah, the dude. boys are, it's because it's the worst grade, six, seven, eight. It's like pure shithead, wall to wall. Yeah. And they just are horrible to each other. Like, I didn't have yeah. middle school. We don't have that in where I grew up. But the, but here in the big city, they have these middle schools. And it's like, yeah, my guy, he's like really sweet, wonderful guy. And he's just with all these things. He tells me about the things they do. I'm just like, oh, dude, you just got to get through it. Yeah. You just got to get through it. <laughs> I know. I know. I see it starting already. I was in a situation yesterday where I felt very exposed. And I was in like, you know, it was like an away situation. I'm at a birthday party. I can tell what kind of house I'm at, the kind of vibe it is. And and it's so hard for me not to project the like weird outsider thing. Yeah. Which is just like how I live in comfort to like the next generation. I don't want to make him feel like I'm like I'm like, yo, we're different than these fucking people, but I can't tell him that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. It's such a strange balance, this thing. I try to be very like when we're at somebody's, when I'm meeting a stranger or like another person's father, I try to be super like, hello, how are you doing? I try to be very, you know what I mean? Just to give them the modeling of like, this is how you meet somebody and yeah, this yeah. is how you be kind and open. But I will say that every once in a while, we will meet somebody who I just really do not like immediately. Yes. And I can tell that they know that I don't like them, you know? I, it's tough. I, I've, I've been playing that game recently where I'm like, let's see how many questions I can ask without getting asked one, you know, and, and it's really in perpetuity sometimes like, (laughs) like you could just go and go and go and and it'll, it'll never come around. Um, 
So Donovan, welcome to the program. I didn't mean to start with Parent Corner, but it was that's interesting. Right. <laughs> um, good. But uh, welcome, welcome to the Going Off Track program. Thank um, you. We were just on tour together. Yeah. For nearly, what, nearly a month? About a month, yeah. About nice. a month. And uh, had an excellent time. Um, you know, I didn't uh, know much about you beyond your tunes before we um, began. And I was pleasantly surprised by uh, your general demeanor on a day-to-day. I liked being around you. Do you have, um, have you had any bad opener experience like where you just hate them? Don't you find that you generally like musicians? Is that true or is that not true for you? I'd say it's generally true. Yeah. 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 Like I like even when you ask that question, I started like surfing over my brain real fast. And I'm like, you know, I've ran into some people I'm a little ho hum about, maybe. Um yeah. or some unremarkable people or like, you know, a uh, a great uh, uh, a group of great people whose band is as good as I thought it was. You know, I've run into stuff like that. But somebody, yeah, I was yeah. just like, oh, god, I don't, I don't want to be around. No, like, like almost never. Yeah, like, yeah, very rarely happens to me too, which is nice. Yeah. Um. So I mean, uh, it, what were you expecting going into this tour? Like, like, did it, did it meet or exceed or like, like, what were your expectations and what did you wind up in? I was worried about, I mean, I, I know that like when you meet a band, you know, it's never a band. It's like, an you know what I mean? It's never just like, it's always more interesting than you think it's going to be. You know what I mean? Sometimes right. you meet a band and you go, oh, this band is uh, this guy. And then there's these other guys. And then, the, or this band is two guys. <laughs> and then there's these other two guys. You know what I mean? Like it, even so much so is that sometimes you'll meet a band and two of them will fly in a plane and the other two will ride in a bus. And then you're like, oh, oh right. They don't, yeah. they don't even like each other. Or like two of them are employees and two of them are the band, that type of thing. But mm-hmm. you guys very much are a band and you're there with each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And you can feel the like, you can, you're all lovely guys, and but you can feel like the years of, history with you guys but mm-hmm. then also you can feel you guys being kind to one another which is like a wonderful vibe on the tour i really liked it i really liked the tour a lot and uh, it's probably like the most uh, the least animosity type stuff that i've experienced on a tour did you feel like it was a good run of shows i did and hearing you say that like you know how it is like when you're inside something uh, with zero basis of reference of how other people operate, I I never know how to see ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, yeah. I barely know how to see this fucking thing, let alone like how to see myself in it. You know, um, so hearing that is actually like it's really nice to hear and relieving. You know, like because you know you start doing this thing and you're kind of operating this like you know, like traveling fucking weird circus and business and so many things can go astray, you know? So when, when things actually feel good on like a day to day, you know, and like, I'd like to think too, I mean, that's like getting a nice crew of people to travel around with. That's like so important too, you know? know, Everybody was nice, man. Everybody's nice. Like usually there's a person on the crew or something who, everybody avoids or they're just like, or just like their mood colors the day sometimes. Yeah. And, and it sucks, but there was nobody like that whatsoever. Everybody was 
I was riding on the crew bus. Everybody was exceptionally nice to me and I loved it. I really, I could have done it. I mean, my family would murder me, but I could have got another two weeks. <laughs> I think we, I think I, we were ready to go home by the end of that one. Um, it was a lot. It was a lot of drives. Yeah, that last week, that was we we covered some ground. That was some, last I, week. I couldn't even believe. Well, the, when we were in Denver, I was like, in four days, we're in Spokane. I, think I know. Something like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. Make any, doesn't make any logical sense. I even got I got the routing for that tour when we first got it and and looked at it, and I was like. Eh, you want my shave the last few days here? Maybe, you know, yeah, like, yeah, I like yeah, just, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I know how it can get pretty grumpy, a little crispy towards the end. And I'm yeah. like, you really want to throw these double driver fucking 12 hour nights, like every night, the last three days. It actually yeah, panned out. All right though. I thought at least they were low, you know, like uh, low pressure kind of mild, you know, like, like cities that you can kind of chill in. Like, like when I'm in Boise, I'm not too worked up, you know? Yeah, that's like, right. It is true that the city makes, yeah, like when you're in San Francisco, there is like a weird, it's stress. There's just like more stress in the yeah. air. Every and, big city shows like that for me. Like when, yeah, especially the coastal ones, like when you're in LA or New York or Chicago or Nashville, where like usually, you know, there's like, oh, these people from this thing want to say hi today, or these people are here, or this band is here to say hi. And like, and even though it's usually quite nice in a lot of ways, you know, you get to catch up with people. It adds like, it adds like a certain thing to the show that that does like make it more challenging. I haven't played a New York or New Jersey show like relaxed in in a decade, probably. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I when it's like when the guest list is full of industry people, and then my manager's like, "Do you want them to come?" before or after and all you know what i mean those questions are like they don't i don't know when i'm on tour i want to be so in a bubble and it yeah i know that it's like it's uh you know you understand why people get the way they do like so i have friends who are like i don't talk to anybody ever yeah and and you sort of think like oh that gets read as like oh that's kind of prima donna behavior but in a way i get it because you're just like why I'm in such a flow state. It's like when you're at the airport and you're like hitting all your fucking gates and you're like, you, you know what I mean? You know what to do at the airport. You do this, you do this and you go to the lounge, you get that, you walk to the gate and then you run into somebody and they're like, like they want to walk beside you. And I'm like, dude, I'm in my airport state. I don't need, <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't have this right now. You're just adding a variable right now. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, no, like, yeah, yeah, I no, I get it. it. I get that. <laughs> and I think, uh, it's interesting because I even the last couple of tours we got into, I, I went in with the ambition to do podcasts on tour. I brought like my mobile rig. I think I even asked you to do the podcast on tour. And then every day I had off, I found myself like sitting there just like feeling like dead to the world. Yeah, you, you know can't what I mean? do anything. I was like, really the last thing I want to do right now is organize myself enough to go like be engaging with another person. You know what I mean? Yeah. The last thing I want to do is speak to another person right now. I know uh, these country dudes, these country artist guys that I know who have like a whole bus studio bus and they do their workout and they do an ice bath. They flip a tractor tire and then they go record for the whole day. And I'm just like, how do you do it? Wow. These guys are very, wait, are very wait, wait, fit. explain that. Wait, what is it? So they, you know, I mean, they do CrossFit, 
on the bus. No, like when the bus parks, they get out and there's like a gym guy who's hired to like run oh. them through. I had these friends that were on tour with Tim McGraw. Okay. And they, every morning when they got up, they would like hide because if Tim McGraw sees you, he's like, get out here. <laughs> oh, and he'll make you cross <laughs> yeah. with him. Oh, shit. And he tells you, and then he makes you work out. They're like, flip this tractor tire. And, <laughs> and then you got to have to take an ice bath in a garbage can with Tim McGraw. It's like... <laughs> They would be like, they would be like, is he out there? Is he out there? You know, which is the funny relationship of going from idolizing the guy to going to literally being afraid that he sees you because you don't want right. to look out with him because he's, he's too intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last thing you want to do is get drawn into. Cr- so does that mean he's hiring local CrossFit in each city to show up and train him? Or is there a CrossFit I don't know, but I, I trainer on tour? I think, yeah, I think there's a guy on tour or a, or a gal. I don't know the specifics. There's somebody on tour who brings all the stuff. And it, it's funny you say day. this too, because my wife bought me recently a cold plunge, you know, yeah, like one yeah. of those outdoor little mini pools that you fill with ice. Yeah. What do you, you think do about the, that? I love it. I seriously yeah. do. Um, the actual process of doing it, I love. the The problem I have with things like that is it's it's like owning a mini fucking pool, and and all of a sudden, I'm like, well, th- thanks for the present, but every time I want to use it, I I have so much to fucking do. Yeah, you so know what I mean? A lot of work to do. Yeah. A lot of work, you know. And then and then like I went into it like the third time, and I almost fucking busted my ass because it's like slick on the bottom from whatever oils my goddamn body left my dirty body left on the bottom so you gotta wash it out all the time so i say this because you know my wife had been saying like you know i got all these physical problems on tour from being a drummer too long she's like oh you gotta set up like this like do the ice bath on tour like can't taylor do it like your tour manager i'm like no we can't fucking do that like (laughs) like i'm gonna i'm gonna task him with like finding a bucket big enough for my giant ass body Finding like three bags of ice and somewhere to do that in like a 400 cap room in Sioux Falls. Like, no, I'm like, no, and he has so much other shit to do. And I'm the drummer. Like, no, like, so I got to imagine Tim McGraw, you probably got like assistant managers and assistant tour managers who's like, that's got to be a big part of their job is just making sure the ice bath is ready by a certain time every day. Like, how do you even get ice at 10 o'clock in the morning, you know? I I don't know where they get the ice, but I do know that what they use as a mobile ice bath is a large garbage can on wheels, like one of those big, you know, the garbage cans with the wheels on the back, like the ones the municipalities give you. Yeah, Yeah, like the square ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, (laughs) They do, that's what they do the ice baths in. So there's a bunch of pictures on the internet, you can probably see them, of Tim McGraw in a garbage can. But it's a but it's an ice bath. Wow. Oh. I mean, maybe they just fill up at the venue before they leave. They yeah, maybe like catering. <laughs> and is his show is his like performance very physical? Like is he like a real rip it performer kind of? Yeah, I would say that he is. But he's also just jacked. Like he's oh, but really? he's also a guy who is like. This is all just guessing on my behalf. I don't sure. know this man. I've met him one time, but he was an addict. So I think that he's oh. sort of replaced that yes. that yes. urge with a this exercise. He's very like super regimented with his exercising. Yeah, that makes that that adds up. That adds up. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. usually how it goes. Um, are you still? I know you you mentioned earlier, like you know when like all the industry people and label people are at your shows. Like, are you still? part of this like major label deal that you signed in like 16? Is that still 
your reality is, or is that a writing deal? Oh, that was a publishing deal. Yeah, with Warner Chapel. Yeah. Yeah, that was just publishing. And I'm not with them anymore. I'm with Concord now. But there was a time when all the Warner Chapel people would show up at the shows and they would drink the rider. But I've never been on a, I'm, I'm on, I'm on like uh, my own label, which is distributed through Sony. Cool. So sometimes those people show up, but it's very less, you know, stressful when it's like, you know, when it's, uh, when you're just an imprint on the label. Sometimes yeah, they sure. don't come at all, which is great, which I love. But, <laughs> but it's like publicists, you know. Yeah, yeah. Ev- you know, everybody. Now, when you're like, when you're creating songs these days, do you ever come up with something that like, you're like, this is good, but this like, this doesn't work for me. And then you try to sell it. Like, how, how are you active in like writing songs for other people? Or do you wait for collaborations? I sort of wait for collaborations, but I, also I will like, you know, it's funny. It's like, you don't really write a song that is good that you don't think you could do. You know what I mean? Right. I, when it's really good, you're like, I'm going to do this. Fuck everybody else. So it's, and then those are also the ones that other people want. So sure, the ones that I have that other people have recorded, I certainly would have recorded them if they weren't going to do it. But, you know, you just say, okay, they can have that one. But very, very rarely is there something that you really like that you go, I'm not going to do this. It's why, you know, friends of mine are always like, I have some songs that I write that I, I don't end up using like, how would I send those to other celebrities? And I'm like, like, yeah, I'm like, well, if you don't like it, like they're not going to like if it. If it's one of your throwaway songs, yeah. McGraw yeah. might not use it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just sort of like, good... there's a lot of like magical thinking about. Yeah. That is a really arrogant way to look at it, isn't it? Like I well, have so many yeah. good songs that my extra songs will go to the pop artist. Yeah. It's the, int- yeah. And it's people who are looking down on popular music as though it's easy. Right. But it's not at all. No. But then also like there's that sort of, you know, people always have that, you know, that uh, like flower that grew out of the con or the diamond in the rough idea, like where it's like mm. that somebody will see see how beautiful it is and it'll be beautiful for them and they'll want to do it. That's not really true. Like we, yeah, we generally all agree that the best movies are the best movies. Like, you know, I think they call that what escape fantasies and psychological yeah, yeah. framework. You know, like this idea that that you're extremely special and you're just like waiting to be found. You know, yeah, that, that yeah, is a strange, yeah. like, strange function. Where does that come from? Like if you were a really good songwriter, like we would know that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, everybody, yeah. Would, everybody would know. Everyone would know about your really good songs. Yeah. Yeah. Because they'd be really good songs and we'd all <laughs> like them a lot. <laughs> and if we don't, then that's a pretty good sign that you're not that it's good. It's so true. And I've heard what you've said so many times. So it is, it's a little disturbing. Actually. Yeah, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. But it's, but it's not, I understand it. I understand it. And there's a time when I may have felt that way. Yeah, yeah. But the truth is that there's only like hardly anybody's good at writing songs. Like nobody's good at it, you know? Like, like not very many people are really good at it. It's really hard. Yeah, it's super hard. Well, and and I mean like, you know, I guess there's that, you know, truly objective nature to it too, right? Like where, um, you know, the thing that is also good has to be good for the right person at the right time in the right context. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, you know, I think that's why my, my side fantasy in my brain is always sports because, you know, when your profession is music and there's like nothing 
black and white about what you do and everything is based on opinion and everything is based on timing and feeling and all these variables. Yeah, I like yeah. when you can watch sports and be like, yeah, they scored more than them. So they're better. Yeah. You know, or the, and, and there seems to be like in sports, there's respect available. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. like when people are respected, they're, they're good. And you have to respect that they're good, but in right. music, it's like, it doesn't matter how popular you get somebody will still be like, you're a dickhead and they, and you suck. And there's no, <laughs> I'm sure that they will, they do that in sports too, but it's like, you could just point at stats and be like, no, I don't. But yeah. for some reason in music being like, oh, well, a lot of other people like me, it seems like that's not a very good argument or something. Like, It still I, feels know, like somebody who's like yeah. a dick, somebody who goes, you, you guys suck. You're like, oh, maybe we do. Maybe he's right. <laughs> right. right. I, do, I do. I think that like when they, when they're like, you're shit. I'm like, oh, fuck, maybe I am. Well, that's that, I don't think Kobe yeah. Bryant felt that way. You know what? Well, that I think people like that ignore it, but I, I think what you're talking about, it does happen in sports. And, um, you know, like I, I, I could say that, like, like take someone like LeBron James, for example, who's been at the absolute top of his craft for nearly two decades now and has like literally just half haters um, who are just trying to chip, chip it back, like in all ways. I think a lot of it is a some function of I hate always bringing it back to this, but some function of the way we consume like media and like social media these days, you know, like I I'm just going through it and it's almost like a comical exercise, you know, like I'll see, um, a thread about the new record about history books and I'm yeah. like, all right, fuck it. Let's, let's take a ride. Let me look, you know, <laughs> and, and like, seriously, it'll be like 250 comments that are, some of them like seriously beautiful, you know what I mean? Like saying yeah. like the nicest shit where you're just like, wow, like that's why I do it. And just some goofball says one like off color thing. This could be a 14 year old who does is in English is their second language. You don't even fucking know. But all you could think about is like now, like, Oh wait, are they right? I know. I know. I know. You know? And uh, so I think like, but do you think LeBron James thinks about that? Do you think he goes like, <laughs> he wakes up in the night in his mansion as like, are they right about me? You know what? Like, 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 like I, I don't I know about LeBron. I know LeBron is like famous for, you know, like turning his social media off, like during the playoffs and stuff like that. But like Kevin Durant, for example, another great NBA player. Was he caught, seems like he, he, he seems was, like he, he cares. He believes he it. was caught so, having burner accounts on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah fighting yeah. with kids. Being like, being like, nah, Kevin Durant Durant is sick. Oh, like you think you could take Kevin Durant one-on-one with this like burner account, you know? And (laughs) so like, yeah, they, they care. They, and there's a part of me that kind of respects that. Cause I'm like, at least like, you know, like, but that's the problem with social media and the exercises I've gone through is like half the time I've found somebody who says something nasty and engaged them and gotten an answer and got it to a human level. They're usually people who are just dying for a response. I know, you I know, and just can't respond at all. So you just can't play the game. Like, yeah, like it's a, yeah, yeah. it's a Sisyphean task all around. Like, um, yeah, there's but, nothing to be learned from it almost like no. the, the, the lesson to be learned from it is that your, your validation has to come from within which we all know, but it's such a drag because getting it from without is so much better. You know? <laughs> yeah. But you, it obviously has to come from within. I remember one time LeBron James 
tweeted that he had a dream that his hairline grew back in. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, he fucking, <laughs> he's sad that he's balding. And yeah. I, it, made, it made me feel really nice. <laughs> even even LeBron James is like fuck even, man. Even LeBron He's like, James. Fuck, I wish I I wish my hair was fucking cool. And you know what happened <laughs> to LeBron James? His hair has magically come back. I don't know if you know well, that. Of course, of yeah. course it has. Like, yeah. like he's 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 like the Jeremy Piven of the NBA. He's like he's like aging in reverse, you know. Yeah, Jeremy Piven. Yeah, he did too. <laughs> that guy looked older in PCU than but he do looked. Do you remember that why yeah. do you remember like what Clyde Drexler looked like? Oh, Clyde Drexler looked like 55 in his prime. Yeah, why yeah. did he look so old? Why Everyone look- looked so old in the 80s. I don't know yeah, why. I remember one time, somebody just recently, <laughs> just recently on the Instagram, somebody showed me a picture. They were like, what's Michael Jordan and Clyde Drexler's age here? And I was like, wow, 38? Yeah. And they're, like, they're both 20. 29. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the f-? They look like fucking grown fucking dads. You ever seen a picture of like uh, 80s kids in high school? Yeah, yeah, they looks look like, like fucking Magnum PI, like half of them. <laughs> Has anybody? <laughs> <laughs> what about like the forties when everybody looked forty? Has anybody <laughs> investigated that? Like, what's going on with that? Why is that true? I don't, I don't know what's happening with the Benjamin Buttonification of society here. <laughs> is it because, like, recently my friend and I were talking about, you know, how like baggy pants are back now? Oh yeah. So like, we're talking about, is this just like, is it like a generation of people? Who like everybody, all the kids right now are looking at their parents wearing skinny jeans. Is it just like a generation of kids that look at their parents' legs and they go, Those that's fucking gross. My parents' <laughs> legs are gross. And then they have to be like, I can't have legs like that. And then they have to change the pants. Gotta so be like, part of it. That's gotta be some aspect to it. So like, is it just that the way those kids look, the style that they're wearing is is more indicative to us as of old people because I think that gives us a little too much credit. Like, (laughs) like I think them basing their whole styles as like some kind of like malicious revenge against our style, I think gives us a little too much credit. It's probably dictated more by pop culture. No, like in Taylor Swift's baggy jeans and stuff like that. I remember when somebody like every twenty years, apparently everything cycles back around. Like, probably, yes. and probably it's just capitalism at its root. Which I do think is true because I remember in the nineties, part of like I think the the grungy sort of aesthetic was the seventies. You know, like yes. we were we were semi emulating the hard rock of the seventies vibe. Like that was like what was happening. You know, and I think I, that's right. Yeah. And I think somewhere like, you know, five, 10 years ago, the nineties became cool again. The interesting thing about being old is like, I can no longer engage in this conversation because I don't know what the fuck people were wearing in the two thousands, the 2010s. <laughs> yeah. So so now like by the two, <laughs> if people in the 2020s are copying what people wore in the two thousands, I'm officially out of this conversation because I just, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What is it? I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure there's memes like joking about it and making fun of it, but, but yeah, I certainly don't know. I'm trying to think about what people look like. Well, my 15-year-old daughter is definitely into 90s fashions, but they they twist it a little bit. Like they don't just copy it. They want it they get the clothes from then, but then they wear it in a different way kind of. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. We walk my, my I walk my daughter to school every morning, and we walk past like a high school. So I see what these high school kids are wearing, and they are wearing like the girls are wearing the exact same thing that the girls were wearing when I went to high school. Yeah, uh-huh. which which is so interesting to see them look like to feel like they're being edgy and weird. Totally. When to me, I'm like, you look totally normal because that's yeah. what we look like. <laughs> I know. It's just so, it's, it's so weird to be alive to see it cycle back. It is. And the kids in the Nirvana shirts are like the kids in high school who were like, like rocking like a Led Zeppelin shirt, you know, yeah, in the yeah, 90s yeah. who were like, yeah. oh, this person's into older, hard music, you know? Yeah. Like, but you know what's weird as the oldest guy here is to see, you know, like to see it stretch out. You know, like, I mean, when I was, when I was a kid, a little kid in the seventies and, and a teenager, like, were you guys warming your hands over a barrel singing doo-wop? Like I couldn't, I couldn't have a t-shirt from 20 years before. Yeah. Cause it would be like the big bopper or something or Elvis Presley, right? Right. right. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't even make band shirts till the seventies. Yeah. Like it stretch, it stretches out now so that, yeah, my daughter's like, and musically she, she. It goes back, yeah. She listens to music from the sixties, seventies, eighties, like, and and they're kind of all the same. Like they don't. That's interesting. Really so when when did the when did like the pop icon then become like attainable? Because you're right. Like back in the day, it was you know you're watching the Rat Pack, you know, and that's not like how people dressed every day, you know. <laughs> um, so was it Elvis? Was it like that? Like the birth of rock and roll, where like like the pop star became like attainable. Is oh, that yeah. part of the charm of it almost maybe? Well, it's just when like entertainers started to wear normal clothes, I guess. Yeah. Cause it's true that like they, like Elvis was wearing like a fucking suit all the time. So how would you do that? <laughs> yeah. You do your hair like him, I think. Right? Yeah. And it's not like you could dress like dress like little Richard or dress like the rat pack. Like yeah, it wasn't available. To yeah, you. yeah. Who's like, who's the first person you could just be like, Oh, I could look like this fucking scumbag. Like who's the first one like us. <laughs> oh yeah, who was it? And now we've taken it too far, you know, like, but, you like, know, even before <laughs> pop culture, like the zoot suit was a teenage thing. Like that was a sign of rebellion. Do you know what that is? Yeah, I mean, like, cherry popping daddies. Yeah. (laughs) But that was literally just kids, like teenagers, just like that. Yeah. Oh, we are really off track. Well, it's funny to think about, like, that swing. Like, when I think of swingers, I think of the revival of swing. Yes. Which happened because of the movie Swingers. The original swing revolution is not available to me as a concept. But then it's like, like, when, when, even when Bob Dylan was a folk singer, they called that a new folk revival when Bob Dylan was a folk singer because right. the original one was Pete Seeger yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and Woody Guthrie. So that was like a new folk revolution. So even that was a revival. So it's like, think of how far down the garden path we are now with, yeah, like it's pop culture is, of course it's repeating itself. It, it was repeating itself in the 1950s. Yeah, Jesus so what is like, like these days then, what is like, what's truly, what's cutting edge music? Like what is something, is it like this EDM stuff and the things people do with electronic music? This Is that the only thing where you can actually like uh, branch out into new territory still? 
I think that the place where I feel it the most, uh-huh. where I feel my age the most, is hip hop. Yeah. There's like parts of hip hop. For instance, Travis Scott is something that I cannot. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand that it is well liked, and I'm sure there's some, there's, it's good. I just, I have no access point to it. Like, it's like, it's the first, not just him, but that sort of genre of, now, I felt that way about Lil Yachty, but I feel like I get Lil Yachty now. But like also like, just like, you know, there's a whole bunch of hip hop artists that I feel like I can't quite find the access point. As someone who like was raised, that's all I liked when I was a kid. I mean, that's all I listened to. And it still is kind of all I listened to. I, did, I wish we talked about that more on tour because I'm kind of the same. Um, yeah. But isn't it funny though with hip hop how like, I don't know when exactly it started, maybe 10 years ago or something where all of a sudden those same really annoying conversations that have been happening with rock and roll are like happening in hip hop now, you know, yeah, where you have like, hip-hop and all that. Stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. the people just like tied to this and then the new people don't respect the old. And like, there's all these like, you know, uh, like different schools of, of what you're supposed to be. And now, like somebody who's like, nah, I'm sorry. I only listen to like, like Nas and Gangstar from the nineties. That's all I listen to. Kind of sounds to me like someone like my old neighbor, who's just like, yo, I fucking just dig on Aerosmith and rush. What can I tell you, bro? You know, <laughs> like, like they're kind of like the old cats who like, won't won't take in the new shit, but you're right. Like some of it, the way the, the beats are being produced and the way people, MC these days is just like it really is like uh, another planet of music as far as where it came from. I, I get that it's hard to find that access point. Yeah, and it feels like that's the way that's the place that it's modernizing the fastest, like the genre where it's where it's not just circling back on itself. I'm sure maybe it will, but it doesn't seem to be like it. Does, nothing sounds like 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 what would it sound like right now if it was doing the same thing that music like because you can feel it in. Yeah. rock music like that olivia rodrigo sounds a bit like avril lavigne right now right you can, you can feel those things cycle back but hip-hop doesn't seem to be doing that which is interesting like nobody sounds like jay-z again you know that's true yeah i mean they will right i guess yeah but it's gonna it's gonna come here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So for you, like, when you're, when you're, like, collecting ideas, you know, I always wonder, you know, you're someone who tells stories about people, tells stories about life, like, real stories, and as you find yourself like observing for storytelling, like do you ever kind of feel like, like a, like a character in your own story? Like, and does observing for, for songwriting kind of eventually sort of change the way you see yourself like over time? Yeah, that's interesting. That's like, um, yeah. So like I'm, I'm definitely a character in all the songs in a way that sort of gives people a perception of the person that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit made up. It's like based on truth, but it's heightened and there's uh you know, I mean, it's all exaggerated. Sure. Um, but I don't, yeah, like I guess it has sort of changed the way I view myself. I, I don't, I think I make myself like a much better guy in a lot of the songs that I am in real life. You know? um, but that's like, I think that's probably natural. Sure. Um, but yeah, like I do, I do wonder about whether people are always, cause some, sometimes to me I'm writing about other people or I'm writing about another person or I'm playing a narrator or something. And I think I have one song that people like where I, I, the, the narrator's dad dies in it. And people all the time say my dad passed two to me and I, and I often will be like, I'm, my dad's not dead, you know. I'm sorry. Wow. I made you, yeah, I that's made interesting. You feel, like, made you feel like my dad was dead. Yeah. But I can see why they feel that way. But I was writing a song about my dad and his dad, of course, my grandpa is dead. So, um, you know, those type of things come up. I also, I call, I have a, my sister's a gay woman who's married to another woman. She's, uh, you know, very much like a brother. And I often will call her a brother in songs just because Okay. I, this doesn't really make much like oh, the, right, the right. role that she plays in my life is a brotherly role more right. so than a sisterly role. So I'll call her a brother in my in my uh songs and people will say, What's your brother's name? And I'll be like, I don't have one. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah. people will be upset by that. Huh. But yeah, I, I think there's sort of like a mythology building whether you want to or not. It's interesting to think about like like all these questions of what people are owed in your art. When I think about that Hassan Minaj stuff, where oh, he got right. caught exaggerating his stories. Now, yes. of course, there's a different, there's like a different element there because there's a, a sort of racial element to that where he's right, 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 pointing right. out uh, racial injustices. But like, but was he doing, he was doing them in a comedy bit. Yeah. In a, in a comedy routine, but like, so where all of it is played so earnestly and like, yeah. it's really about his life. And right. It's interesting, like where the line is, of huh. what you're what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. Yeah, that's true. 
certainly Bob Dylan lied about everything about his life. And <laughs> right. you, know, you wonder about it, you know? Yeah. Why do you think people just, just automatically assume it's like str- sh- straight, like autobiographical? I think it would be nice if it was, of course, like you, you, it's nice to think that the person is extraordinary, but as you know, when you meet artists, they're generally pretty ordinary and they found like a way to do a trick, an interesting trick. Mm. Um, I was thinking that on that tour with Brian's voice, what Brian's voice is like as a, as an artist, that there's something that like some that his point of view and his singing voice does that feels so like youthful and raw and American in an interesting way. Like Mm. that to people that aren't, um, like I remember when I first heard 59 sound, I was like, Oh, this is so, this is like sock hops and fucking yeah. malt shops. Like this is like, but there was nothing in it that was really like indicative of that. I mean, he plays on that language sometimes, but like there's something about your guy's sound that I was like, Oh, this is deeply, deeply American music. Huh. And it's just like the alchemy of how it comes out, you know? Yeah. And the thing that I do is just like what it sounds like is a very folksy regular man guy. And people would like to believe that about me, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know why it happens, but it has nothing to do with you, which is like why not talking and not doing interviews is sometimes the, I wish we could, that you could exist in that way now, but you can't really exist in that way anymore. Yet. Right. I think the trick for you may, might be to like write a song or two or a handful of songs that are just like, so over the top fantasy that people know they can't trust you anymore. You know, <laughs> like, I would like, it. I would like to not be I'd like to, for people to know that it's like, there is falseness in it because they, yeah. Like do yeah, your Ziggy yeah. stardust and then everything's on the table, man. You, I know, know? I, you start to understand. Like, it's like, you know how, you know how, like when you meet a band, like I have a f- friends of mine who are in a band I won't name them, but they had a big hit song. And the lead singer was very much the star. And then the other guys were like, they started to feel expendable really quickly. And you could feel it in the air. It was like, oh my God, these people could be replaced very easily. And then you, and then you think like, oh, that's why Slash wears a top hat. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's like, because you know, if it's Guns N' Roses and the guy with the top hat's not there, that that ain't Guns N' Roses. Yeah, where the fuck's like, top hat guy? Yeah. Or that's like why the guy in, or like the guy in Limp Biscuit. Think about that guy, the weird mm-hmm. fucking guy. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's not Limp Biscuit. That weird fucking guy's not here. Like, <laughs> that. So the people in this band started wearing like sort of silly costumes almost, or like becoming a parody of themselves, so that they could be identified and like be a part of the the necessary elements of that band. You know. Wow. I don't remember what the point of that story was, but I've, <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. It's intense. I mean, wait, so <laughs> one other thing I wanted to ask in the, in the, um, in the concept of like songwriting or in the genre of song or whatever we're talking about here. Um, like I always find it interesting in the, the effort to like, like even you're talking about, sometimes you have to bridge, the line of fantasy in order to get a point across. I mean, like how many um, experiences can one person have? And like, and I think that would be if you get into adulthood and you're trying to create enough experience to write about, like that could turn into a really toxic thing. Right. Um, 
you know, I've almost, I don't know if you've ever ran into it, but I've seen people uh, burn up parts of their lives to almost like have something to write about. Um, Certainly, yeah. So of course you got to start coming from a, a, a fantastical place or else you won't be able to like age okay, right? Yeah, I think, I think that's true. I think that like, I mean, the things that I'm always trying to write about are little tiny things. And I get my, like, I'm, I'm particularly kind of like, uh, I find everything so sad. Like I find everything fucking sad. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. everything I see, like even just the kids telling me about their experiences at school and when somebody's rude at school, like I'm fucking devastated by it. Like, I'm devastated by books I read. I just like, I can't even watch. I don't know if you've experienced it, but since having kids, I can't watch any movie where kids are in peril at oh all. My like God. I can't, yeah. I can't even watch it. Mm-hmm. And also I start to think like, if there's a lot of shooting and guns, I'll be like, this is too violent and I'll turn it off. Yeah. So I, I, I'm so in tune with that feeling of myself and I don't, I don't like look away from that stuff. So I feel like there's a million little reasons to write, every day and whether they go sometimes people will say to me like have you really been dumped this much you know like <laughs> you write i write about breakups a lot is it really you know how many times have you been dumped and i was like like i've been dumped a bunch of times but like there were a little a lot of different little wonderful aspects to those dumpings that you can delve into you know right and i yeah. would love for those songs to be little like to take a little feeling and blow it up really huge that's the that's like the ultimate kind of goal for me so there's always tons of little things to write about again and again you know yeah a big heartbreak should not yield just one big heartbreak song it should yield a fucking album (laughs) yeah that's kind of what it feels like yeah and they don't always have to be sad or they don't always have to be but yeah yeah i don't know i think like the people that are chasing inspiration that way are look are thinking like a good song is like asks a question and never answers it, right? Like that's what the best songs do. Yeah. They present a problem and they don't give you a solution. You know that like when a song has a solution, it's not any good. It's not, you know what I mean? Like the guy doesn't finally get a job at the end of Born in the USA, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> still <laughs> fucked. He's still fucked. And yeah. it's like, yeah. that's the problem. What I'm explaining, you don't have to give a solution. You just have to explain a problem really well, you know? Yeah. Well, it sounds, I mean, you know, I got this from you on tour and, you know, kind of confirming it. I mean, you sound like a deeply sensitive person and like someone who can, um, you know, like, like it's tough to find, to find when you're a deeply empathic and sensitive person, like, I feel like, um, there's always a tinge of sadness to every joy because, you know, like not everybody else can have this, um, and that that just leaves you with like a permanent kind of well. Um, but when you're in the mindset in like trying to write something like relatable, you know, like that, you know, a normal person who's, you know, not out on the road or not writing songs and, you know, um, does for you, does it take like a very empathic look at like other people and understanding other people or is that just like coming straight from the inside and like hoping it relates? Yeah, it's just hoping. Just hoping. Like, just, um, yeah, like I think if you explain the way you felt really well, it resonates. You know, it's like the tinier you get, the more universal it gets somehow. I don't know what why that is. Hmm. 
or what that trick is. But you think about like, like even a painting, like even Van Gogh's sunflowers, which is like just some fucking sunflowers. And there's something about it mm-hmm. that does something to all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you see it and it's the smallest item and for some reason it's enormously universal, you know, I just think it's like, if you're really truthful to yourself, if you're really truthful to your own perception, then it will blow up, you know, and then the way that like blow up in popular, cause that would never happen to me, but like it will expand to be relatable to everybody in a way that is sort of, uh, feels like a trick. Right. But, but it's, um, it does happen, but, but only if you're like really truthful to the experience and mm. you can, because everybody, I mean, every, you can feel it immediately when a song is fake, you can feel it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. Yeah. But, and it, and there's a difference between like it being capital T true. And there's a, a difference between that and truth because sometimes an exaggeration is more true than the truth because the feeling felt bigger than the, the, what happened. Right. That's right. But like, so sometimes an exaggeration is the truth. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, and, but you know, when it's not, when it's a, I don't know when it's bullshit, it's bullshit immediately and everybody can feel it. And I've written songs that are that way. And when I listen back to them now, I go, oh yeah, this is all bullshit. <laughs> so you can hear your own bullshit when you're doing it. Yeah, like I can hear myself <laughs> being young and chasing a song that I already wrote, trying to do that again, trying to repeat myself. I can hear that. Do you talk and, shit to, to yourself when you do that? Be like, you're not, hey, buddy, you're not that fucking guy. I do. I all the time think like every time <laughs> I hear other people, I think, God, I'm not, I'm not good at all. <laughs> oh, God. But then I, you know, it inspires me to dive back in. You know, sure. you don't ever get to know if you're good at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. You never get to know. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it so weird? Yeah, Why so did weird. we choose this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish I could remember this quote. Do you guys, have you seen the new, uh, the documentary about wildflowers at Tom Petty? Doc. No, I haven't seen the new oh, one. No. no, it's pretty good. It's all this found uh, black and white 16 millimeter footage. But he addresses this. You know, someone says they're all your songs about. He says all my songs are about me. They're my songs, so there are they are about me. Like he he hmm. says it much more eloquently. <laughs> um, yeah, and I wish I, I was just trying to find it because he says it really. It makes a lot of sense. But he's saying no. Obviously, you know. Not every instance is something I experience, but they're my songs, so they come from me. They're about me. Yeah, that's right. That's how I feel about it. It's like, it's always about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, one way or another. So, Donovan, how many hats do you own? Oh. Are we in the well, hundreds? I, I refuse to say a number. I think it's cruel to even ask that question. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I went because on tour why? with you why? and I saw here, here's like, I know when you go on tour, sometimes you have limited real estate in your bag, you know, like you got to be careful about what you pick problem. and choose. And I saw a lot of new hats coming out and different days. You do hats in all your videos and all your press. You got woolies, baseball caps, like, like you're a hat man. Well, let me first say that I'm acquiring hats 
on the road also. So there are okay. some of the hats that you're seeing are being procured in the different cities we visit. And they're, they're going, they get like a trial run for like a day, just see how it feels, see how it yeah, plays. Just, I love it. Like when I was, when we were in Chicago, I saw a beautiful Cubs hat. I was like, God, I want to get that fucking Cubs hat. <laughs> and I want to wear that shit around, you know? And then you're in, but the problem is that you're in, you're in like Milwaukee in like eight hours and then everybody's like, Cubs suck, loser. Oh, yeah. Which is a drag. But yeah, I don't, I um, I have a lot of them. I have a lot of them. I would say, I mean, I don't think it's hundreds. I think it's thousands, I would say. Wow. <laughs> okay. I would, I would hazard a guess that we're I didn't know low. we were getting into like Guinness Book. How do you, what are we talking? I would say we're in the low 1000s. What are we talking storage wise? How are these stored? I have a whole closet in my house. Like um, a walk-in. No, but it's like a <laughs> it's a fairly big, it's like a linen, what's supposed to be a linen closet. I see. And it's can entirely and you can fit a lot of hats in a closet. And then I have um a storage locker with some hats in it, but it's not a hat storage locker. <laughs> not specifically for hats. Not yet. <laughs> no. I haven't been keeping the storage locker for hats. There's also music gear in there, but there are also a lot of hats in there. Wow. Too. Now, like because of this. Say if I was if I was like oh I want to get Donovan like something for his birthday am I like crazy to buy you a hat because you already have it or like you don't or should you just want to keep them coming like should we just keep getting you hats No I don't I mean I don't want anyone I don't want anyone to pick me out any hats I want <laughs> I want to pick them out right like this like so I'll get you like a you. hat gift certificate or something that'd yeah, be that'd better be nice. that'd be better a lids gift certificate lids okay <laughs> gift certificate lids I would love that I'm gonna do it when's your birthday are you allowed to say on air just had I just had it October oh, 16th god damn but um, like sometimes I'll go to a show and somebody like the one of the promoters or one of the the other day I went to this uh, fundraiser one of one of the sponsors was this metal I can't remember like a wreckage yard metal works company or something okay and they sent me they left all these hats in the in the dressing room they're like i know you like hats but it's like, why, why would i <laughs> why would i like I these mean, hats lovely people I, I met them all lovely yeah. nice people if i met them lovely people. but like the, the idea that like i'm a hat i've seen every hat possible in the yeah, world the yeah. idea that i would like the promo hats that you made for your company yeah very unlikely it's, so, it's almost like does that is that kind of like disrespectful almost like listen I'm a hat. It would guy. be like if you had like, like a cake expert and they were like, I made yeah. one of my fucking cakes for you. Yeah. Or here's like, some entomins. How is it? Yeah. 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 No, I see what you're saying. Do you have cowboy hat? I have I have a couple of cowboy couple. hats. Couple. What about I don't like, like the, the kind of What about like a derby? I don't really do that. What's what is that? What is that? That's one? like, like the a, but like the English banker, like the bowler hats, you know? Like the fancy. Oh no, ones. I don't have that. I do yeah. have like a couple of kind of I can't remember what they're called. What about like, like flat from, caps, like newsy caps? I do have a lot of flat caps. I like that a lot. Like I when I yeah. when I'm wearing one of those, I feel like this is me. I would like to be this guy. I think that's and your my, old love for like eighties hip hop. Like my you know? wife fucking hates it. My wife thinks she's like, You look horrible in that. You look silly. It's embarrassing. <laughs> well, it's hard because you know, like even I forget what you, oh, it was um a dropkick Murphy show I went to in New York with my wife and we played a game where we did an over under on flat caps. You know, <laughs> I was like, I think I, we put a money up and everything. And I think I went like, like, I was like, yeah, I'm going over on like 75, 
you know, wow. and so, and I won. There were tons. So I think wow. I think the flat cap is very cool, but it's been co-opted a lot, you know. So so you what know, does it like mean in that context, is it like a it's a ska punk? No, nah, that one's a little different. That's more like the hi, I'm Irish and I wear suspenders and go to the punk show. But then yeah. there's like the ska flat cap crew, like the plaid flat caps, and they kind of got like the newsy like. You know, ah, two bits, grab the (laughs) news, you know, that kind of thing. My wife has a thing that she calls um, a type of man that she calls a m'lady, which is like (laughs) the type of guy, you know, like a type of guy is like m'lady, you know, like that type of nerd. Oh, (laughs) yes. That type of nerd that is like kind of, he's doing an old world impression of a man. And that's a flat cap guy, probably. That's a flat cap guy, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And she feels like that's what I look like when I wear them. But I don't (laughs) feel that way. I feel like I look like a man walking in the hills of Ireland and wearing like a long coat. And then I... Oh, you imagine you're like shepherding. Yeah, I'm a shepherd. You're I'm walking a shepherd. with a stick. Yeah. And then I walk to a pub down an old road <laughs> and I eat a stew, a thick stew. Yes. With other walk, men wearing flag yeah, other men. <laughs> yeah. We talk about, like, I don't know. Thick whatever men. Whatever those things. Yeah, Wiry about, men. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about sheep and yeah. mm-hmm. head of cattle. And Grog. Then, uh, and then when I walk back home, but I know I don't really look like that. Yeah, no, probably not. You know, the first time I was in a music video is wearing a backwards flat cap. Oh, really? That's cool. That yeah. was cool at the time, right? Yeah, it was about 1996 or so. So I don't know. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know that what was cool. I was rocking, but, you know, it is what it is, right? Have you ever in your life listened to heavy metal? You know what? It's, it's one aspect of my uh, personhood that I never, nothing ever did it to me. Like nothing ever opened me up to it. And I can be, if one cool guy shows me something, I'm fucking all the way in. Like I had that happen with jazz just like a couple of years ago. My A drummer that I had in my band, that I didn't know before Adam, this guy named Mac Longpre, sh- showed me all this jazz. And I was like, oh fuck, I fucking get it now. <laughs> so I, I do, I, but I never got into metal. I wish that I did because I know that some people I love and admire the most love it above all else, you know? What's like the heaviest music you've ever like proper been into? Fuck, I don't want to answer that question. It's going to make me seem like such a loser. Um, don't say like <laughs> Hall and Oates. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I was into like, I mean, I was into like, Oh, it's all going to sound lame no matter what. Like <laughs> the vines, the vines. Okay. All right. I was into, uh, I was quite into the vines. I was into like silver chair. Oh. At that era. That's not. So you like Australian not... post grunge, huh? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's about as heavy as it gets. All right. I mean, they had some riffs. They had some riffs. I mean, do, I mean, do you own like... a distortion pedal? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. I have I have tons of them. Okay. But, but you don't use me. them. Yeah. No, I don't <laughs> ever use them. They're for me. I, I don't think anyone has ever used a guitar pedal, really. You know what I mean? What are you talking about? Like, they use them a lot, but like, the the a million that everybody buys, they still use the same five on their board. Yeah. Well, that's... Well, I don't know. Honestly, in my band, those guys, they're, they're tinkerers. I will say that Alex... Um, Rosamelia. Yeah. I have never experienced 
a person who is more a pure lead guitarist than that guy. That guy <laughs> plays riffs the entire fucking time. Like yeah. never stops just playing riffs. And it is so rad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like he's just like, fuck chords, bro. I know he's, I don't, I don't think he's, I saw him play one chord. Yeah. He's not into it. Not he into plays it. an intro riff into like into a verse riff. And then he plays a chorus riff. Yeah. It's been one he, of the very cool things about, well, you know, I was in bands with Alex like prior to Gaslight. Oh yeah. And you know, when we had the opportunity to bring Alex into Gaslight, you know, I was quite excited. And that was one of the reasons was he's always writing these leads. And it's also one of the reasons why, like, you know, especially like I've always felt this need to like not be out front in Gaslight Anthem. And part of it is because I feel like we kind of have like two lead singers, you know, in that way. Like when there's like, yeah two constant melodies going on all the time. Like the last thing you fucking want to hear is like, you know? Um, yeah. So, so is that, is that true? That must be, cause it is true that there is like a riff melody happening all the time. Yeah. And I think it would be like, if me and Alex Levine were trying too much on our end, I do think it would like muddle the whole thing up. I'm very happy to be like a fucking straight rock dude in that band because it never, you know, like at times in another band, the, the part would be boring, but it's not boring because there's all this other great stuff going on. It's a nice liberty to have as a drummer, actually. Yeah, I really like, I think that you guys together is a really, it's fun when it's a real, you know, I mean, rock music is that thing where it's like, it's an alchemy of people and they make a thing that another group of people has no access to. And that's it, you know, and that's the coolest thing about it is that you go, oh yeah, when these four guys play five, even it sounds like this, you know, it sounds mm -hmm. like this, and this is not available anywhere else, which is the is the wonderful thing about music, you know. Is that the stew that's gonna keep keep rock alive while like AI takes over everything else? Yeah, I can't imagine that. I just I don't have any fear of that somehow. You I think know, I was just I don't saying. A, I don't, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not I was just saying that at the breakfast table this morning. Yeah, and I'm like, know, seriously, I'm, I'm like, what? We're gonna fuck it up worse. They're gonna make it worse. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. they'll do better. They're smarter, you know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't think that. I don't think that. Have you I used the uh, Chad GPT for anything? I have only used it in the way that most people have used it, which is to just see what it's like and then go, whoa, fuck. And, then we'll <laughs> and that was it. I don't, I don't ever write an essay or anything. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're, I will like, say that when there's like, like the one that was like the, this is a weekend song that AI did and then they right. played it. I was like, this sucks. This fucking sucks. Yeah. So, yeah. And it was like, it sounds just like him. And I was like, well, you think that cause you're dumb. That's what, <laughs> so for, so for dumb people, it will be right. pretty good for dumb, like, like everything. Yeah. It, it will be pretty good for dumb people. And then there will be <laughs> regular people who know that it sucks. Well, <laughs> what's funny is I, I was wondering this morning and we, you know, we were talking about it, you know, my kids are little, so it's like, they really, you know, we're not really getting into the minutia of like regenerative, you know, AI and like, you know, the kind of shit that's going on. But it did make me think I'm like, you know, the the general concept that in say 20 years uh one of my children could be like in a relationship with an ai or something i might have to like like even though i might want to opt out of it as an old person i might not get to 
you know, like you have to gonna, fight a robot <laughs> or or be like, hello, son-in-law robot, you know, or like daughter-in-law robot. Like, like that's the thing, you know, you know, if these things are, are learning at a certain level, it's only a matter of time before there's going to be advocacy for their protection and rights, you know, oh, that's the thing. And then that's the way that we're going to be pieces of shit when we're older. We're going to be like, listen, I just don't think you should marry a robot. And people will be like, <laughs> sorry, Dad, you, sorry. Dad, listen, you maybe can't I'm say old that school. at a restaurant. Maybe I'm fucking old school. Okay? I guess I'm old fashioned, <laughs> but I don't, think, I don't think anybody should fuck robots. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I'm so, so they say to their friends, I'm so sorry my dad is like this. <laughs> and the robot's just sitting there, like tapping his forehead, just like, oh, yeah, like God. I'm used to this. Don't this worry. Is... Don't worry. Like, no, don't worry, Mr. Horvitz. Heard... I'm used to this. <laughs> I've heard this before. Um, I had this, this experience with my cousin where she was like, I have this friend who's asexual. Okay. And I was like, well, he's probably just gay and he doesn't know that he's gay yet. Yeah. And she's like, no, he's asexual, you fucking asshole. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, I'm an asshole. Yeah. I'm an old asshole. Sorry about that. He's, old of asshole. course, of course. Like if, if the sexuality is a spectrum, there are people that don't are have none of it right. so like of course that exists right but then i was like oh yeah i'm i'm old and i'm out of touch like, and I, even i was trying to be in touch by being like oh he's gay and he'll figure it out and it'll be wonderful yeah like but you thought you were being cool i thought i was being cool yeah. but i was being a piece of <laughs> shit piece of <laughs> and it was the first time i experienced that and i was like oh yeah fuck it's happening yeah. this it's is why happening. the smartest old people just don't talk <laughs> That's right. You That's, know, they just mow the lawn. They're just like, yep, all this stuff is going on. I don't understand any of it. And in your defense, like most musicians, you have probably spent most of your life super horny. So you can't really, you can't conceive of somebody who's asexual. Is that okay, another I'll, thing? I'll, are we horny? Honestly, I don't. Think why we do. are we? Why did we get into playing music when we were fourteen? Wait, let me ask you guys a question. Not both because we were asexual. This goes for both of you, because I'm generally curious. Have either of you ever gotten an erection on stage? Never. No. no. Never. never, right? Isn't it no. weird? Me yeah, neither. No, nothing, nothing natural happens on stage. Like when people are like, aren't you worried that you're going to sneeze or get the hiccups? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you don't. You yeah. just don't. You never would. It's so weird. Even if you're deathly sick, you're all of a sudden not sick. Yeah, you're fine. You're totally yeah. fine. Yeah, because yeah. I've been like, you know what? If you just take like the 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 chronology of how many combined hours I've been on stage playing, and how many random boners I've gotten in my life, often inopportune <laughs> times. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, the, it doesn't match up that it's never happened up there. You yeah, know, you would be um, like, you add up all those hours, you, and that's it's an unlikely amount of bonerless hours. Very unlikely. So now I gotta, I gotta chalk it up to what, like a blood flow thing or something? Like, is all the blood just going to my hands and feet and not enough for my penis? Uh, people would say adrenaline, but that yeah. sounds like, that sounds like boners to me, doesn't it? Adrenaline. Yeah, and I've yeah, but maybe like if you're if you're like you know hunting, <laughs> you can't get a fucking hard on because you. Oh yeah, that's it's right. just a bad thing to have or fighting. <laughs> Wait, why can't oh, you have right. why can't you have an erection when you're hunting? Maybe it would help. No, it just seems like it just seems like it'd be an awkward thing and dangerous. You're just trying to think of what the cave people. Why you know what? I bet in some sort of preternatural way, though. I bet it helps with tracking. I don't know why, <laughs> but I bet it does. No, maybe for finding water. You're thinking of finding water. <laughs> <laughs> Dick, lead me to water. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, 
So. <laughs> I had a thing the other day where they were like, where somebody was like, what's the easiest way to get rid of an erection really fast? And somebody was like, pick up something heavy. And I was like, oh, yeah. But I haven't tried that. Oh, yet. no. I but have a trick I use. Is oh, that let's true? hear it. I have a trick because I'm, I, you know, I'm all fucked up physically from drums. So I do often get massage. And oh, yeah. one of the things I'm, I'm always terrified of yeah. like, I do not want to be that fucking guy. I don't want it to happen. But sometimes you're lying down for 90 minutes. I had some water before. It's just a pee boner. It's not about you, but it, it, it's just happening. And I honestly picture like my dick, like going into like a blender <laughs> or like, or like just getting mauled by something like some really disgusting, sour thing to like my, and it kind of works. So that's my trick. Do you want to know what mine is that I've had since I was a teenager and okay. it works I, every time? I do. I'm terrified, but I want to know. <laughs> Imagine somebody holding one of those old school flat razors like you put in, you know, like it's just flat. Oh, yeah. You know uh -huh. what I mean? It has two blades on either side. Yeah. And then just slicing open my forehead slowly all the way to Ooh. the bone. Oh, well, you, you guys both think of the most fucked up. <laughs> But it works. It works every time. Other people just think of like baseball stats. Listen, this is why it takes too your, long. That takes too long. Donovan, you think case being in point, tortured. this is why Americans murder each other. Okay. Oh, it feels like you're finding I'm out. You're finding out. And you guys, and you're Canadian, and you're all friendly and funny. You know. I mean, what I think of is just how to build. Uh, a great skating rink. That's what I think. I mean, it goes right away. You know what, though? I think what's, what's going So I came up with a list, Donovan. I just did a quick find, a quick Google of comedians from Ontario. Oh, right? Yeah. Okay. Because I find you to be, you surprised me, honestly, in how funny I thought you were. Because usually Canadians are extremely nice. I like being around them, friendly. But you have like a quick wit, shit talking kind of thing that's really endearing to someone from New Jersey. I I, I appreciate it. <laughs> so I found you very funny, and I, and I'm looking. I you know, I, I knew certain people. I knew like, and I'm looking at this list. Come on, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Jim Carrey, yeah. Eugene Levy, Martin Short, Scott Thompson, Jay Baruchel, uh, Moranis, Michael Sarah, and even Lauren Michaels. Not even a comedian, but obviously influential and extremely funny. What's going on? Why are you, you guys so crazy? funny? You know what else is crazy? You know Nathan Fielder? The guy oh, is he one of yours? Yeah, but he also dated my roommate in university and was often in my house. Oh, really? Is and he that would, strange? Oh, yes. And we would make fun of my, my other, it was me and my friend Marty lived with our friend Pam, and he was dating Pam. So he was around. And we would make fun of his voice and we'd be like, Pam, my comedy's doing so well. We're making fun of his comedy and stuff. Like, he, like we we're like, this guy's never going to be successful. He's so weird. We were so wrong about oh him. My God. How He's long after did he start getting successful after he did that? Dude, like, well, a long time after. Like, we moved to Toronto and he was here kicking around for a while. And then it started to happen. But when, like, he did that sort of, Improving a business thing, he was doing that on a show in Canada, like a smaller show in Canada. Oh, really? For a while, and they were very funny. And I was like, "Oh, fuck, dude, we were wrong about Nathan. He's good." Was he nice? 
no, not really. Yeah, just like super offbeat. I mean, not nice to us. Are you ever nice to your girlfriend's male roommates, though? Not really. Right. <laughs> and vice versa. They're usually pretty nasty. Yeah, actually. Yeah, we were a dickhead to Really, really were dickheads to him. Yeah, that's a, that's a strange age and situation. Yeah. But why are, like, what, what do you think? I mean, that's like a high concentration of really funny people from a specific area. Like, like what's going on? Like, what what's the sensibility that makes... That makes you people funny. I wonder. I don't. I have no idea. I wonder what it is. I don't know. No clue. I don't know. I think like, I don't know. Mike Myers is from here oh, too. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Mike Myers grew up on like a, two streets from where I am right now. Apparently. I wonder if I'm and I'm spitballing here. It just popped into my head, but I wonder if like, you know the, of course it's not a hundred percent true, but there's a general you know, consensus that Canadians are kind and like a little more compassionate. And, you know, you hear sometimes that the greatest comedians are like very like, uh, you know, sensitive people and like, you know, yeah, like you yeah. need to know, like, you know, the real like pain of other people to be able to make fun of it or something. Maybe the fact that you're nice actually helps. Oh, well, I am. It's probably got something to do with it. I think that also there's a thing about, remote like canada is very weird in that it is not that many like less people than california spread out is that right land mass yeah it's 37 37 million to 43 in california right 45 in california wow so it's like that many people that few people spread out over a huge area beside the most successful country to ever exist in the history of the world like tucked in beside it so it's a weird it's it's weird. And there's a part of like there's Newfoundland in Canada, which is an island off the side of on the Maritimes, St. John's Newfoundland. Everybody in Newfoundland, everybody is funny. And oh, I really? don't mean that in like like you just it's it is the funniest place to be. Huh. Everybody's funny. Like everybody is on a fucking they're everybody it feels like you're out there when you go out there, you go to a restaurant, everybody's like it seems like everyone's having the night of their life like, hmm. in joke wise, like everyone's killing it. Wow. And I think it's just like remote populations that are set aside for some reason. Everybody gets really funny. I don't know. I don't know. That's funky. Well, it's funny you said that. Cause like I was, I was looking at a description or something of you earlier and, and, and it mentioned that you grew up like hearing radio stations in Detroit and this is how, like, you were exposed to a lot of early music. And I thought in my head real quick, I'm like, what is this, fucking Siberia? Like, you grew up in Ontario. Like, like didn't they have radio? <laughs> like, you had to, like, like tune your antennas to, like, hear the music coming from over the lake. Like, you guys didn't have music. It kind of surprised no, but me. We, we did, but there's no, like, <laughs> there's no good radio stations. Like, I'm right. sorry to report. There's not enough people for there to be anything good. Like, so... There, there's no cool, like there's the our public broadcaster is is actually quite good. It's like NPR. It's pe- people who like it love it, and then the commercial radio stations they suck shit. Like they're not good. So I hate to say it, but but the ones coming from across the border were amazing. They, you know, like I remember BX ninety six, which was Detroit. Mm-hmm. 
and it was like playing like Bell Biv DeVoe and shit and yeah. R&B and fucking Bobby Brown and shit. And it was so much better. Like, it was just like, there couldn't even be a radio station that played just R&B or just like, you know, a, a genre that at the time felt like black music right. in Canada. It oh, didn't wow. even exist in Canada. Just didn't even exist. It doesn't now, but it, at the time it didn't at all. So there's definitely no hip hop on the radio. Wow. So really? It, it really was like, you couldn't hear it unless you got it from an American station. That's wild. Enough. I guess you don't, I like, you know, I guess being not only American, for, but from, you know, right around New York city where like the idea of radio without Bobby Brown or Belle Biv DeVoe sounds crazy. Like that was <laughs> yeah, the radio. Yeah. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, right. like, at the time it was, Yeah, but we didn't, there just wasn't, it just didn't exist in Canada. There's not enough people, not enough infrastructure to do. And I mean, it's still true to this day that there aren't that many cool influential radio stations in Canada. So what really broke it open for you guys? Snow? (laughs) (laughs) Is that, is that that what opened the doors for hip hop in Canada was snow? (laughs) No. Why? Who was, who was before that? No, I mean, it was him. He was the butt. It it was, but then we had, we had a couple of good people. We had this guy, Chuck Claire who never crossed over, but he was good. Okay. And then we had this guy Thrust who never crossed over, but he was good. And then, and then you got Drake, and then, and then we got Drake eventually. But we before Drake, we had Cardinal Offshell, okay, who is awesome. Don't know that. Oh, he's great. Um, he's like a Caribbean guy, and, and it's awesome. Um, but before him, yeah, and then we got Drake. So now it feels like there's a hip hop culture here, but there's not really. There was, but I mean, you got a big one. You know, Drake's a big score. That's a that's a it's fair it's solid very score. Weird. I mean, my friend, my best friend, was a executive producer of Degrassi when Drake was on Degrassi. Is that right? Yeah, and he was like, well, no, at that time he was just like a script coordinator or something. Okay, because we were in our would have been like in our early twenties. So, what was young Drake like? He was really nice and really professional, and then he was like the guy on our show raps and he's really good. And I was like, no, he's not. <laughs> and then he played me something and I was like, Oh, this is good. Wow. And then, and then he was like, he's getting signed by little Wayne. And I was like, Oh my God, no way. And then it was, it really was. Well, between between pressure. Nathan Fielder and Drake, remind me to never hire you as a manager or something. I know, but Shit. they get this. Another fucking weird brush with celebrity Canadian celebrity that I had. I went to summer camp with Justin Bieber's mom. She is older than me. Okay. <laughs> but she, one summer, she was there as a counselor, a senior counselor, when I was a junior counselor. And then the next summer she wasn't there. And we we're like, why isn't, why isn't Patty here this year? And they're like, oh, she got pregnant. And we we're like, oh, man. And that was, that was Jay. That was Justin Bieber. Patty Bieber, huh? Patty Millette is a Oh, name. I see. But yeah, but she, I don't know if that was her name then. I don't think it was. Was she cool? I don't know. Yeah, she was cool. She was like, you know, a camp counselor. She's cool. And then she came back for the dance, I think. I may be making this up. But then she was pregnant. And it was like, that was Justin Bieber in there, which is weird to think about. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder, now I'm like, I'm like, what was she listening to that summer? What got into Baby J when he was in the stomach? Yeah, what got into the... (laughs) Maybe some snow? (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> like you, can, like you can bet your ass that it was. Snowing. It all goes back. It all goes back to snow in the end, doesn't it? Was it informer again and again and again? It was. It was a huge hit in the U.S. too. I gotta say, his big. Yeah, that was a good song. It's a good song. His big silk shirts. Oh, dude. you never had a run yeah. in with him though. No, never, never met Snow. <laughs> Although I bet you could. Like, he's probably around. Oh, he's probably signing autographs at card show now. Yeah, <laughs> poor guy. Um, I hope he made his money. I hope he was smart with it. Maybe he has like a chain of like car wash places or something, and he was, you know, he was smart with his money. That's what I'm hoping for. I hope he did. I'm hoping great. for the best for Snow. Um, Something with cash, a cash business, so he can get the taxes down to a reasonable <laughs> amount. <laughs> Um, I like to finish with, uh, since I know you're a, a consumer of these things, could you potentially recommend an album, a book, and a film that you're all currently stoked on? Oh, dude. Oh, dude. Um, an album? I'm like, I, I can't stop listening to the Sam Fender record that came out like a year to a year and a half ago, maybe. Okay. Have you ever listened to that guy? I haven't. He seems like a thing that's not going to be good. And then it is so good. He's so good. Uh, it's called 17 going under. I think is what the record is called. Nice. Let I'll me look at, look, let me look at all. I'll take that out. Yeah. Make sure. Um, it's so good. That, and then there's this Canadian band called always that I like a lot. Okay. Um, yeah, the record is called 17 going under. Um, and then a book, I'm reading the thing I'm reading right now. I like a lot, and it's by it's called Dartmouth Park, Ooh. and it's by a guy called Rupert Thompson. Good title. It's crazy that that came into my brain. I'm, I'm old and it worked. Dartmouth Park, and it's about a guy basically have it seems to be having like a very hard midlife crisis essentially. And I like when books are about men fucking up their lives. Yeah, I, love, I, I do too. Shit. I don't know why I like that shit. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I like. Uh huh. And then a movie, I don't know. I'm not like, I'm not the biggest movie guy. I try to like movies, but I find them to be <laughs> a little bit long. Well, let's say in that context. The la- like my wife is taking me through movies that I should have seen already in my life. Like we watched, I'd never seen Dirty Dancing. Oh, okay. Had that I've play for seen- you. I'm not, I thought it was interesting. It's interesting to hear all those lines that I know, but oh, I didn't know. Don't put baby in the corner. Yeah, like I had no, like when he said that, I was like, is that it? I thought that she would say it. I thought she'd be like, don't put baby. But he says it. It's like apropos of nothing almost. Like I was like, that's it. That's the whole fucking deal. Those are gripping scenes. Jerry Orbach and Patrick Swayze going oh, at it. You, Come on. Jerry Orbach is fucking, he's fucking pro in that movie, Jerry Love Orbach. Orbach. God, he's good. So out of um, any of these rewatchables, have you quite liked anything? I mean, not really. I, li- I like Sister Act. Oh, <laughs> what a fucking great movie. <laughs> I thought there was so much... Uh, for a movie that's ostensibly about like a choir, there's almost like no singing in it. No. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like it's fucking like, like, running from the mob half the time. Yeah, yeah. it's like a It's, like it's a an camper. action movie, kind of. Yeah, uh-huh. and there was like the sing... Like, there was no. I thought there'd be scenes of them struggling to improve their singing. No, but no. but really, she just like joined, and then they yeah, were good. They were great <laughs> like immediately. It's, yeah, there's one one montage where she really whips them into shape. Do yourself yeah. a favor too. Maybe take in Sister Act Two, yeah, featuring yeah. a I young think, Lauren Hill. 
Uh, We're talking about it. Is that right? Lauren Hill's in there? Oh, yeah. She's a, she's oh, one of the main main protagonists. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. And she sings. Oh, Obviously good. But, like, I'm trying to think. And then years <laughs> later, I'm watching a Fuji's video, and I go, ah, this is the girl from Sister Act 2. That's true. I never knew that yeah. at all. I had no idea yeah. of that. Yeah. God, I love the Fuji's. But I will say that my favorite movie of all time is a movie with George Clooney in it called The American. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that film. Where there's almost like no talking. That's your favorite movie of all time. I love that movie. You are it's a about, gripping human being. I don't know. It's I don't about understand. a man <laughs> fucking up his life, dude. Like yeah. a man with a fucked up life and he's fucking it up more. I love it. <laughs> I love clones, though. Don't you love clones? No, oh, you gotta yeah. love the clone. You know what? Mm-hmm. I don't like his tequila ads, though. Oh, I support him. In like the whole, like, I'm wearing a loose white linen shirt driving a motorcycle through the agave fields and like <laughs> having a shot with these fucking guys who have to work out there. I, I find it a little, sh- I don't like it. I don't want to drink yeah, his man. tequila because of it. I gotta be honest. I don't like I know. it. I, I support him though. Yeah. Keep. I don't like that. I don't like that type of shirt. I agree with you. No wait. The, what stage of life do you have to be? To me, you got to be like Rick Rubin if you want to rock a white linen shirt. You know, like a big yeah, yeah folly. Be a, I would not wear that. You got to be a big like a, guy living in an ashram in Malibu or something in order to do that. Like that's the yeah, only way. Yeah. All right. Well, Donovan, thanks for your time, buddy. No problem. Thanks. It's nice to hear your voice again. I love your voice, Benny. Your voice is like such a quintessentially. American East Coast guy voice. It's fun to hear. It's just fun to hear you talk. Thanks, man. Well, that's where I'm from. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. Who's your favorite <laughs> Canadian comic out of all them? Um, I don't know. Maybe John Candy. Yeah. I, I oh, mean, it's like they're so all good. they're like all on the same plane, you know. Like, isn't Bill Murray Canadian? Mm, don't know. No, mm. he's from Chicago or something. I think. Well, these guys, all he's the SNL people, like met in Chicago. Yeah, Second at, City, right? Second City. Yeah. I mean, like half of them are fucking Canadians. You know, I was thinking about can't like, you know that turn that like uh, you know Tom Hanks and Jim Carrey, um, you know actors like that made where they went from like straight comedy to like drama and could kind of pull it off and are yeah. good at it. 
Yeah. I feel like we were robbed of a John Candy dramatic turn. Like you watch like some movies and like he just steals these little parts. He has these little moments like planes, trains, and automobiles. There's some moments in that. We were like, yo, if Candy made it to like 40 and got to just be like wise and like, man, he would have laid some doozies on us. Like we would have gotten like a Robin Williams Goodwill Hunting performance from Candy, you know, I think. We were robbed of it. By the way. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I know. It's a shame. I don't mean to be negative about it. I still love Candy. And we've been watching Spaceballs in the house, as we mentioned in the interview. So it's back. (laughs) And they even were like, where do we recognize this guy from? I'm like, well, you know him from Cool Runnings as the coach. You know? (laughs) So I love that he's still in the ether. Um, That was a great chat with Donovan, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I was laughing a lot. Yeah. And it's he's really funny. He plays it off coy, but he's deep, man. He's yeah. deep. He's well read. He like like the stuff he's writing, I think, comes from an extremely like thoughtful and self-aware and kind of like evocative place. It even made me think like I was considering his stories about, you know, like what Tim McGraw's vibe is on tour, you know? Yeah. Like guys fit as fuck. CrossFit every day, ice plunge every day. And I'm like, oh, like, what's he? And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, these guys, these like Tim, they are just performers. Right. Like, that's what they are. And like, and they take songs from guys like Donovan, not take them. You know, Donovan writes songs for guys like that because they need fucking money. But, <laughs> um, you know, like, like you hear, you talk to someone like Donovan, talk about like, the books and the songs and the things that inspire him and like how he's really like looking at the milieu and the, the, the things between the lines and trying to find these like really, really nuanced parts of songwriting, you know? And then like just these motherfuckers get to take it, you know, like, like most people probably think it's basically theirs, Right. Uh, you know, be like, check out my, I'm so talented. I wrote this song and I got a six pack of abs. You know what? <laughs> like the two things are mutually exclusive normally. Okay. Like you don't get to like, look like that and write those songs at the same time because the world is just, you know? So, uh, you got quiet when I said the world is just, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that it's, you know, it's funny because there used to be. It used to be, you know, in the 40s, 50s, like there was people that wrote songs and there were people that sang songs and they didn't. Right. It, the singers didn't write ever. Right. And in fact, like, you know, I read um, Dean Martin autobiography a while back and, or biography, and, um, you know, it was talking about how, like, oftentimes the same song would get covered by different singers who were equally as prominent. Do you know what I mean? It's right. Like, yeah. Like so-and-so, you know, Frank Sinatra would do a song and then Tony Bennett would do the same song. And like the GIs in World War II in France would have a preference and argue over whose was better. Yeah. Like, did you prefer Bennett's version or, yeah. but in those days where the songs presented as like this performer performing this person's song. I don't think they got credit. Yeah. I don't think so. 
But yeah, and most of them looked like like my uncle. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you take that Hopefully. comment wherever you want with it. <laughs> but so go check out Donovan. His new uh, we talked about it off air video, but that new video um, I'm around is like really powerful lyrics and the way he shot it. It's actually his wife in the video. So it's got this real, like, I don't know. It's like a push and pull. It made me feel tense, like a Fincher movie. I liked it. Wow. Um, and yeah, seriously, check this stuff out. It's great. And uh, I can't wait to see and play with them again. You know, what's the, what's his social media situation? He's Donovan Woods at Twitter and Instagram and Donovan. Woods oh, I'm sorry. That's Facebook. X. That's X. Oh, yeah. X. Okay. For those of you on X, it's Donovan yeah. Woods. I feel like if you say Twitter now, like something bad's going to happen. Uh, Starlink is going to shoot jam on you or something. <laughs> <laughs> you see the Cybertruck is finally coming out? Dun, dun, dun. Which Cybertruck? The Tesla Cybertruck oh, or whatever it's called. Wow. That thing What's that... The one? There's one fucking cool electric truck i'm seeing around town oh those now. rivians yeah the rivian that's those it. are sharp i know they're sharp i like them too i like they're they're the fronts of those look like friendly faces yeah <laughs> you know they look like wally or like like a friendly robot face which which makes it enduring to me i like that they look like the truck that you know like somebody put in a movie 20 years ago as being like the right. trucks now it's very futuristic <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your patience. This is going to be the first of uh, a barrage of episodes that will be coming at you shortly. We got lots of fun stuff coming up in the next couple months while I'm actually home and getting that that beautiful feeling of restlessness again that, that doesn't allow me to sit around and then we'll do tons of podcasts because I'm fucking maniac, you know? Um, yeah. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Asha Schaefer. All Pump right. Pump it up. <laughs> Brad, love you. Nice to chat with you. Yeah, baby. Talk to you soon.